Many of us have experienced seasons where we have been really in rebellion against God. We have been entrenched in sin. And as believers, that leaves us with this tension, so much so that that guilt can produce a physical result in us. But at the very least, there's this emotional pain because it separates us. That sin, that unconfessed sin separates us from God. And the beautiful picture that we're going to see in the psalm today is that that healing starts with confession. So I pray that today's episode blesses you and you learn just a little bit more about how God continues to pursue you because of his great love for you. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, I have a quick word. I know that you have been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. I know, I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus, how he calls them, how he encourages them, how he equips them. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, helping you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I also include a lot of cultural and historical information that makes these familiar passages of scripture really come alive. This is a great study to do with maybe your teen girls or a group of friends from church, and it will really help you gain confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. Again, head to shehears.org and you can find the Bible study on the resources page. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are in Psalm chapter 32. And as we've talked about throughout this first book of Psalms, verse chapters 1 through 40, these are typically attributed to David. This is technically what's called an orphan psalm because we don't, it doesn't have a title, but we think, many scholars think that it's linked closely with Psalm 31, which came right before it. I'm going to go and uh, read this for you, but if you haven't already listened to Psalm 31 from yesterday, I would listen to that before we jump into Psalm 32. Starting at verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered, blood is Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away, through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. 
when I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely, when the waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. So this psalm is essentially a psalm that David wrote. And there are some scholars that propose that David wrote Psalm 51 first. And remember, the the psalms are a collection of hymns and um, things that they used in the temple and, and a, a lot of this whole genre is kind of a collection of things. And so when we read the Psalms, they are not necessarily in chronological order. So some scholars propose that Psalm 51 was written in the midst of his moral, David's moral crisis with Bathsheba. And then Psalm 32, this Psalm that we're studying today was written after he had recovered his inward peace after that whole situation. Whether or not that is correct, um, it's a good idea in the sense that Psalm 32 is really revealing to us a mature view of forgiveness. And this really is a psalm that is a prayer for sure, but we learn a lot about forgiveness in the psalm. What we see in general, and what it says in verse 1, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, is we understand that the, the people in life that are truly happy are the people that have received forgiveness from God. And so the guilt of their offense against God does not weigh them down, and it doesn't weigh down their hearts and their minds the way it does like somebody that has not received that forgiveness or experienced that forgiveness. And so what we're seeing here is this idea that our conscience is no longer troubled by the weight of sin because we've experienced that forgiveness. And that's a kind of relief and peace that is open to to everyone that comes to faith in God. So this psalm really describes God's forgiveness in three ways. Number one, it, it brings a pardon for the sin. So it's saving the person from sin's final and eternal position. Number two, it covers the sin or puts the sin out of sight by removing its power and its influence over, over somebody's life. And then number three... It keeps God from counting the sin against the person because it's canceling and removing the the debt of sin from the record. So this all allows the person to experience this true joy and fulfillment in a way that only comes from a personal relationship with God. I think there's a couple different things throughout this psalm that we're going to understand. And and the things that I want to point out at the at the forefront is that there are three different verbs and three different nouns that describe this, almost like this transaction of forgiveness. And so the first verb is to forgive. 
32 verse 1, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. So this idea of forgiveness, it literally means to be lifted up or to be carried away. And so that that word, that verb is used both of human forgiveness and then also divine forgiveness or forgiveness from God. And we see that also in Genesis chapter 50 and Exodus chapter 10. And so it suggests this metaphorical like carrying away of one's sin. So that's important to point out. The second verb like I just mentioned, to cover, it really means to conceal or to hide. And so it's this sense that God doesn't see that sin anymore, which I think is so phenomenal. Um, and, and it's through Jesus. What we experience now is the reason why that sin is hidden is because Jesus paid the debt for that sin. And then the third verb which is um, basically talking about to count, like when something's counted against you. So that means to count or impute is the word that it's used. And so that's the same verb that's used of Abraham's faith in Genesis 15 when it's talking about Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him his righteousness. It's that that crediting or counting. And so here in the psalm, we have it in the negative sense, like whose sin the Lord does not count against him. And so basically what that's saying is that God does not record even that sin against against the, the person committing that sin. And then I think the nouns are also instructive. So the first transgression in 32 verse 1 is the verb to rebel. And so um, I don't often read the word transgression and necessarily connect with that. But when I read the word rebel... Um, it, it it has a different implication for me in my life. And now what we see here is there are political implications too. We know uh, from, from David's experience that, that that was something that he dealt with quite often, the, the politics of things. Isaiah uses that verb in the sense of moral rebellion against God in Isaiah chapter 1. And I I think that there's this overwhelming sense that we have to recognize that at some point in our lives, we are all going to rebel against God. Like, that's part of the human nature. It's part of the human experience. Not only do we rebel against each other, but we do have a tendency to rebel against God. And then the second noun, sin, it has the root meaning of essentially missing the mark. And then, of course, the third one, iniquity, also meaning sin, that comes from a Hebrew root word that means to bend or to twist. Um, it, in Psalm 38, it means bowed down, um, but really it's used to represent moral perversion. And so we see that as a um, kind of like a summary term for sins used in Exodus chapter 34 and Leviticus 16. And so it's this idea of just operating in a posture of sin that is bent and twisted and um, just really explanatory of a lifestyle of sin. So I, I think it's important to point all of those out because this is essentially a psalm that's talking about forgiveness, but I don't want to skip over what the forgiveness is from or or the sin that it's talking about that I think sometimes we read that first part and we can just fly through it and not recognize that we can connect with it. Like I certainly can connect with uh, rebelling against God. While the word transgression sometimes is over my head, 
I, I certainly understand rebelling. So, so I want to make sure that, that we look at that. And then in verse 2, the 30, 32 verse 2, it says, Blessed is a man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. This idea of it not being counted against you, um, it shows that really God will treat people that are sincerely repentant, meaning those who are sorry to the point of not just sinning and, and, and then saying, sorry, God, but really giving up the sin and surrendering that part of their life to God and completely changing their behavior. That's what repentance means. It's not just this forgiveness element, but repentance is a turning away from that sin. God will treat those people like they are righteous. So that's not necessarily because they've earned God's favor because of something that they've done on their own, but really it's because he, they have received his forgiveness and this fresh start that he gives him because he no longer sees that sin. And, and that's really a gift of God that when we entrust God with um, the struggles that we have, that rebellion that's in our heart, and we give him leadership over our lives, he sees it as if we've never committed that. And I love that beautiful picture because that's only possible for us because of Jesus. And so, yes, while we're spending time in the Psalms and we're learning about all the things that David has gone through, there's so much of this that points forward to Jesus that I don't want us to miss. In verse 3 and 4, I want to read that. 3 says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. This verse, or these verses, I guess, are describing really the grief and then the consequences of holding on to sin by trying to hide it. And when David was hiding and denying his sin, he lost a lot of things that were very important to him in his life. His health, his peace of mind, his happiness, and really most of all, his favor with God. And in the place of that blessing that that was gone as a result of his sin, he was experiencing guilt and distress and really discipline from God. Um, not all suffering that we see in the Psalms or in the scriptures for that matter is caused by divine discipline of sorts. I mean, we see suffering for all sorts of different reasons, but in Psalm 32, in this Psalm, he is talking about suffering because of his sin and this element of God disciplining him in, in his sin. We have to remember that David w was called a man after God's own heart, meaning he had this close relationship with God and he not only could hear God's voice clearly, but then when he was in disobedience, he felt the discipline of God clearly. And so he's talking about his deteriorating condition really as a consequence of being disciplined by God. And the um, the Hebrew word for strength literally means marrow, like the bone marrow. And it only ever occurs here in, the, in that sense. And so he's aching down to his bones. The marrow inside of his bones is this ache that he's feeling because of the guilt of his sin. And so what he's experiencing is something that I think is common to a human experience. At least I've experienced it. That unconfessed sin... Like when we're living in a pattern of sin as believers, okay, I'm not talking about um, people that have not yet come to faith in Christ, but for the people that have come to faith in Christ that are living as believers and they are pursuing this life of righteousness, when we have unconfessed sin, 
there can sometimes be physical consequences. Like we can make ourselves sick over it. And what he's describing when he says my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Um, I don't know where you live, but where he was is he was in Israel and Israel experiences heat waves that are insane. I mean, they, they, it's over 120 degrees sometimes, uh, in the Southern part of Israel. And so that becomes this appropriate metaphor for understanding what happens when you're in those situations. You you have a lack of physical strength. You have a lack of energy. And and he's describing really this connection between guilt and almost like a depression. And so um, if you've ever experienced um, emotional pain that comes with guilt then then this may sound familiar to you. Or if you've ever even struggled with depression, David's description might sound familiar. Um, but the good news is that God has dealt with our deep need for forgiveness through Jesus on the cross. And, and so because we have this access to God and God's forgiveness because of Jesus, there's hope for us on the other side of that. And I'm not saying that depression is a result of sin. I'm just saying that sometimes when people are depressed, they feel this lack of energy or the guilt of sin can lead to depression if it's unconfessed and you keep living in the, in this lifestyle of sin. I think in some ways, there are people that have not come to faith in Christ yet that also feel this. They might not be able to articulate it. They might not understand it yet, but they feel it. And um, as believers, one of the things that we can do is come alongside people that are in that situation to help minister to them, to help point them back, and to explain to them the hope that there is uh, because of Jesus. Um, So I want to read verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. This is the turning point for the psalm where he is acknowledging his sin. And so admitting guilt and the wrong that's been done by a heart that is in this place. And then that is also ready to change. That is that confession, that turning point will always result in God's forgiveness. Like God wants to be in good relationship with his children. And so when we come to him and ask him for forgiveness, he will remove the guilt because the gift of forgiveness is restoration of God's presence and relationship. And so I I love this section of this psalm because it's an acknowledgement of his own guilt that he is now surrendering to God and asking for forgiveness. And, And what David is showing to us is that healing begins with confession. And, and if you've not been familiar with confession, we did a whole week on confession uh, in the Spiritual Discipline series. You can go back and listen to those podcasts. But I want to encourage you, because we don't hear a lot about this in the church, there's, there's personal confession between me and God, and then there's um, a more public confession, which is between me and other people. But, but healing happens, the, the start to the path of healing happens within this idea of confession and surrendering that thing to God. In verse 6, it talks about, uh, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. The mighty waters, we talked about this the other day, the mighty waters, that expression, that carries this overtone of chaos. So it's talking about when the, the chaos comes, 
um, we're not going to be over overpowered by it. And then let's see down in verse seven. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Again, this sounds like a lot of the military language that David typically uses. We talked a lot about the hiding place in, in a previous episode. And then this idea of the hiding place being a military term and then the songs of deliverance are, of course, songs of victory that the troops would sing or the people that were waiting for the army to return, they would sing. And this kind of like this victory chant or victory song that they would sing as a result of uh, of victory in battle. And so, again, more of this, you know, wartime imagery. And then verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. The Lord really promises to instruct and guide his followers. And that's what we're seeing here. So those that have confessed Jesus as Lord and have come to faith in Christ and that have confessed their sin, of course, they're forgiven. And so what we see is this instruction and this guide that is a promise to, to, to people that have placed their, their faith in Christ. And so the followers that who show evidence of having this humble and teachable spirit, they're going to really treasure the presence of God and the counsel of God. And, and not only are they going to treasure that experience, but they're going to trust him. We see that in verse 10 and rejoice in him in verse 11, and they're going to continue to do what is right. And so, um, just a couple other little tidbits to help you understand that in verse nine, when it's talking about the horse and the mule, let me read it. Do not be like the horse and the mule, which have no understanding. That word understanding is the word that was used to designate between humans and animals. So I thought that was interesting. And then verse 10 when it talks about many of the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surround the man who trusts in him. The surround describes, again, the songs of deliverance that are really celebrating David's victory over this crisis that he's encountered and then the forgiveness that he's experienced and the unfailing love of God that he's experienced. And so we see him as the one who trusts in him. And that is, really, I think is the prayer of my heart when we have gotten to a place or when I have gotten to a place of recognizing my sin, felt the physical symptoms of guilt, and then confessed that sin and then found God to be faithful as he has restored that relationship, that peace that comes from surrendering that to to the Lord. So keep all those insights in mind and I'm going to read Psalm 32 again. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin." 
Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. God, we thank you for this picture of restoration that comes from confession. God, I pray for my friends, anybody that might be dealing with this emotional pain that comes from guilt. Lord, I pray right now that you would minister to them in such a way that they would recognize that it's you by your spirit that's drawing them back to you. Lord God, I thank you that healing starts with this place in confession. And God, whatever it is that that, um, is heavy on our hearts today, please give my friends the strength to confess those things to you. And God, we thank you for your faithfulness that when we are in this posture of surrender and asking forgiveness, that you are faithful to restore us to right relationship. God, we thank you that we can come to you in that place of surrender and restoration because of Jesus, that because you love us so much, you sent Jesus to make a way for us when there was no way. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful picture of how you love your children. And I pray for this to just resonate with my friends today, that you would remind them throughout the day how incredibly much they are loved. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Hey friends, before we go, I just want to tell you about a couple resources that are available to you. The first two are free. On my website, shehears.org, there is a free one-week devotional on the desires of the heart, and that is there completely free for you. I pray that that blesses you and you can take advantage of that. And then every Monday, we have a newsletter that goes out that has some journal prompting questions that go along with the podcast episodes, because I think journaling is a way to help us get the information from our head into our hearts. And so that that, again, is completely free. And then also the, the Facebook group. In the Facebook group, it's the Christian Women's Daily Bible Study Group on Facebook. That is a completely free community. I did a live in there yesterday. It's a place for me to answer questions or to get prayer or accountability or just have some community for Christian women. So all of those are completely free. And then also, if you have already done the She Hears Bible Study and you're wondering what's next, um, don't worry, I am writing more studies. But in the meantime, one of the things that the She Hears Bible Study does is it gives you the tools that you need to to transfer that color method of study to other passages of scripture. So on my website, I have a bunch of resources for you if you are looking for this, okay, what's next? There is the Bible journals, which is what I personally use. They're beautiful. There's a gospel set there. And those are easy because they're small. You can throw them in a bag that and your highlighters or a pen and and you're good to go. And then there's also some note-taking Bibles or journaling Bibles. So if you want to do the color method right in your Bible, but you don't want to write in your study Bible, it is 
Bibles that are dedicated with space for note-taking and journaling. It's perfect for doing the color method. Or if you are somebody that wants to dig a little bit deeper and you don't have a study Bible, we have those as well. So lots of different resources. There's some like uh, books of the Bible bookmarks on there to make it easy to find your way around your Bible. All resources that I put on there specifically to help you grow in your spiritual journey to hearing God's voice more clearly. So I pray that those things are a blessing to you. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.